the year of the Lord's favour. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to whom to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Sion, to bestow on them a, cr a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will build the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they renew, and will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Danielle. It's really nice to be with you this morning. And I just want to say, choir, that was beautiful. I am not from traditional church. I've never heard that song, but really beautiful. Those minor chords really do strike something in you, don't they? So beautiful. Well done. Um, so I just want to say thank you for having me here this morning. Um, <clears throat> and I know that whenever there are visiting speakers at our church who I don't know, I want to know a wee bit about them. So on our first slide, um, I'm just going to put up here, yeah, I think the most important thing to know about me is this is my family. So I am married to Graham. He's an electrician and we have three children, Amelia, Ewan to this side and Peter. Um, Amelia's 19, she's off at university. She's studying international business and politics, um, but like her mummy, at in Liverpool University. Ewan is studying his A-levels, but he's music mad. He's not really very into school. He's more into guitar and writing songs and playing with his band. And then Peter at the top is a very earnest young man. He loves to study um, and you know, wants to be good at everything. And today he's off uh, rowing. He's at his first rowing competition. So I don't know how that's gonna go, but uh, no doubt he'll be wanting to win. So I always think it's, it's good to give people a little bit about who I am and know a little bit about my family. We live in the North Coast. You can see there in that picture, that's um, Port Rush behind us. We live in Coleraine and I go to Causeway Coast Vineyard Church. And yes, I work for the Evangelical Alliance. I am their public policy officer. It's a bit of a mouthful. But really, I'm just working on behalf of the church in the corridors of power um, and just uh, working to um, give the church's worldview into politics and actually trying to take that back to the church as well to let the church know what's going on in those corridors of power at the assembly in Northern Ireland. So I've been doing that job for 18 months now. I started in the middle of lockdown. Um, and that's been a little bit strange, but now I'm getting to come out into the world and that, to be honest, brings me alive. I love being with people, I love being out. So I just wanna say thank you for having us here this morning. On the second slide, um, you'll see, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about membership. We really appreciate Bangor Parish being a church member of the Evangelical Alliance. But I just wanted to let you know this morning, in case you didn't know, that you can actually be an individual member as well for as little as like three pounds a month. And that's not just you as an individual, that could be you as a couple. Um, and we would really love to have you as members. I think especially for me in public policy, 
I love to know that we have as many members as possible so that when I go to represent Christians and our churches and um, our worldview to politicians and to those governmental departments, that I'm representing as many people as possible. It makes our voice stronger. It makes it more convincing. So I just want to let you know that that's available um, and invite you to become a member if that's something that you would be interested in. There are some leaflets out at the front. I've got a wee table at the front door there as you go out. So if that's something you're interested in, you can grab a leaflet, you can check it out online, eauk.org, or have a chat with me after. So that's sort of that wee plug done. Um, this morning, I'm going to be talking to you about public theology. Public theology. So I hope this morning that you're going to hear a little bit of challenge, but I also hope that you're going to hear great encouragement as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm quite a simple person. I don't use big fancy words a lot of the time. And when people talk about public theology, I'm a little bit like, can I actually give a definition of what that is? Can I actually pin down what that means? Um, I, I kind of have an idea in my head, but I don't know that I could give a, a definition of it. So on the next slide, you'll see a definition that SOLAS, SOLAS are an organization that EA work a lot with, um, and they work in public theology. This is what they're interested in. And they say public theology is this, to take the gospel into the public square, engaging the tough questions and challenges to Christianity, and showing how the gospel of Jesus is as relevant today as it ever was. That is their definition. Because let's be honest, we all have a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. I think in the secular world today, people like to tell themselves, or there's this myth that they have um, a neutral worldview, that they don't have values, that they don't have beliefs, that everybody's equal, and that everybody's um, ideas are equal. And really that is a myth, because we all have values, we all have beliefs, we all have a certain lens with which we look at the world. But as Christians, we believe that our worldview is through the lens of Christ. It's through the lens of the gospel of Jesus. So public theology is not just believing that the gospel is good news for you, you know, just me and my wee private world, my little personal faith, but it's actually that this gospel is good news for others as well. It's good news for people out there in the public square. It's also recognizing that our faith in Jesus is shaping us, it's forming us, it's giving us a particular world view that's not the same as the world, it's not the same as people in the world today. Public theology is recognizing that, um, or is having courage, courage to share that good news in every circle that we go into. And we'll all have different circles of influence. We all live very different lives. We'll work different places. We'll socialize different places. We're having different conversations with people. So we all have different circles. And it's taking that worldview into that, having a confidence to take it into those places with our friends, our family, our workplace, wherever that is. And the challenge of holding a public theology is to make the gospel relevant in a world that actually wants to say, that's not relevant anymore. Faith, religion, your worldview is not relevant. It's not welcome. We don't need that. We want to push that to the margins. It's old-fashioned. It doesn't have any value in the world today. And that's what we're facing. 
but we have a confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the next slide, you're going to see what is this gospel of Jesus? What is this gospel of Jesus? And I'm sharing with you Romans 1.16. This is Paul the Apostle speaking to the Christians in Rome and saying to them what the gospel is. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's what Paul says. He's not ashamed of it. He has a confidence in it because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul believes that the gospel is good news. It's a good news story. It's the story of how God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus. He gave Jesus to die for us and to rise again for us, that whoever, anybody, whoever would believe him and would trust in him would have everlasting life, would know a transformation in their lives, would know a new hope. That's the gospel that we hold to. And if there's anybody here that doesn't fully know that gospel story or hasn't trusted in him, I would love to talk to you afterwards. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Um, but this is the gospel story that we as Christians hold. It means good news. The gospel means good news. And how powerful is a good news story? I don't know about you, but on my Facebook or on my um, social media platforms, I get pushed things. You know, there are algorithms, which means that they kind of know the kind of things that they're watching you, basically. And they know the kind of things that you're interested in. And I get pushed a lot of these stories of, like, a soldier who's been away at war or, you know, away being a soldier for months, and then he comes back and he surprises his family. And it's such a good news story. Or the cancer patient that's been in treatment but gets the good news that they're cancer-free, and you see them walking up and everybody's clapping them in the unit, and then they get to ring the bell. Um, those are all good news stories. And they do something to me. They have power. They emote something in me. I mean, I'm a complete sucker for them because I will cry. You might smile at it or think, yes, that's nice. I'll cry. I'll blub. But that's because there's a power in that storytelling. But we believe that our gospel has a power for salvation. It's not just a power to make you feel something. It's not just a power to make you smile or to cry. It's a power for salvation. It's a power for transformation. It's a power for new life. This story in itself actually holds power. And I find that really exciting. There is power in the gospel story. Actually, if you go to verse 17, and I don't have it there, if you go to the next verse, it says this, we believe that in the telling of this gospel story, so again, this is Paul speaking to the uh, Romans, in the telling of this gospel story that God's righteousness is revealed, that God is right, that his way is right, that living for him is right. So somehow in us telling this story and us living out this public theology to the circles that we are in, there's actually power to show them that God's way is right. So public theology is holding a confidence and an assurance that this good news story is good news for everyone, and we will feel compelled to share it wherever we go. So in the next slide, you'll see this is a, a graphic that we have done at the Evangelical Alliance. You might have seen it if you've been watching anything that we've done recently, and it's called Good News People in Our Place. This was the, the thought and the idea of my colleague, uh, Donna Jennings. I think she's been before. You might know Donna. Donna is a theologian. She's a really deep thinker. She really helps me to think well about things when I'm not necessarily the deepest of thinkers. Um, 
And yet she has given me language here that I feel that I can hook onto and understand. It gives me language to understand what it is to hold a public theology. Good news people in our place. For people like me that struggle to find that definition of what public theology is, here it is. It's being good news people in our place. And you'll see here that there's the good news people in our place title, and then there's the actual good news story in the black circle. And then in the inner ring, you'll see that's Christians in their church community, whether that, you know, that's here, being in church, gathered together on a Sunday morning, during the week in your different um, small groups, uh, doing your different programs. Uh, so belonging to church, good news is here in this place. But also, in the outer circle, you'll see that we actually sit within a context, a wider context, and we all know that, a wider context of culture, out there in culture where things are being decided and changing all the time, politics, public debate about what we believe about things, everyone has an opinion, and Christians sit right in the middle of that. In the civic life, uh, we all go to work, or our kids go to school, or we're in um, offices, we're cleaners, you know, we're out there, we're in different places in civic life. And then there's our connections with other local churches. And I was just talking to Stephen about, it was lovely to see that you're going to be doing Holy Week with all the other churches in Bangor. It's lovely to see that you have that network, that unity. What a great witness to the people of Bangor that the churches are in unity here, declaring the good news, talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we all live in local communities. We all live in a local place. Um, we're engaged in some way. I belong to the PTA of my kids' school. I'm the treasurer. I wouldn't say I'm a very good one, but I'm it. Uh, that's who they've got. Um, I go to exercise classes. I join other women and men doing uh, Pilates. Um, when my kids were younger, I was taking them to the park. You know, we're all living, we're all very connected in these local communities. And that's what that graphic is showing, that we actually live in a wider context. And on the next graphic, you'll see, um, the next slide, you'll see a, a quote from Eugene Peterson. He says this about, if we are going to live as intended, which is to the glory of God, we cannot do it abstractly or in general. We have to do it under the particularizing conditions in which God works, namely time and place, here and now. We have called to be good news people, here and now, in whatever place we find ourselves, whether that's in church or in our wider context. We are called to be good news people, good news people living out our faith, and I wanted to talk to you especially about being good news people here in Bangor in 2022. I'm not going to talk to you about Coleraine because you don't live in Coleraine. You don't live on the North Coast. You live here in Bangor. So I want to talk to you a little bit about being good news people in Bangor. So I don't know Bangor that well. My dad used to work here and I sometimes left him off and took his car into Belfast. Um, that's like 20 years ago. I've brought my kids here to the Bangor Aurora but that's really pretty much what I know about Bangor. I don't know it well. So good old Google has helped me find out a little bit more. Obviously, I know you're a seaside town. I know that tourism is probably one of the things that you were really well known for, has maybe declined slightly in the last few years. I know that you're a commuter town, so that you have lots of people living here, lots of families, lots of young families. 
I know that it's a historical place, um, that you have the Clandy Boy estate, and it's actually well known for conservation of woodland and lots of different species. I know that you have a seafaring background history with your protected bay that you were used in World War II for, um, I think it was American troops that were using it um, to find refuge. I also know you've been affected by the troubles with bombs and death and destruction. In fact, even maybe this church itself, I think some, uh, I read something about that. I'm able to find out things like that about Bangor online, but you actually know Bangor. You'll know things about Bangor that I'm never going to know. You're going to know where's the best place to get a good chippy. You're going to know where's the best place to go for a picnic that you're not going to see loads of people. You're going to know things like um, wee words that you use that maybe no one else in Northern Ireland would know or places that you call a different name just because that's what you've always done. You know the story of Bangor, whether it's good news or bad news. You know it. You are the people here in Bangor. And I want to look now at Isaiah 61. It was our reading, and thank you to Joanne. Was it Joanne that read it? Um, thank you for reading. Um, it's on our next slide, Isaiah 61, verse 1. And I wanted us to look at this together. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Isaiah talking about being a good news person in the place where he found himself. And I want you to think for a minute about that verse and apply it to yourself. Or perhaps look at your neighbor and say, it's you. Who else is going to be good news people in Bangor if it's not you, the people of God? Who else is going to be good news people here? It's you. <laughs> You're it. Um, so I just thought that was uh, interesting to think about Isaiah. Uh, being a good news person in his place. And I'm going to just um, go on into Isaiah a little bit more into the passage and just pick out three things about what, the, what this passage teaches us about being good news people in our place, something that you can apply to being a good news person here in Bangor. So number one, it talks about proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. So I wanted to ask, how many of you here are preachers? Put up your hand if you're a preacher. No, Stephen does a bit of preaching. Anybody else? No. So none of us really are regular preachers, public speakers, out there, you know, proclaiming the Word of God. So how else are we going to proclaim the gospel? How else are we going to tell the good news? How else are we going to be people, good news people in this place? It's going to happen in our conversations, isn't it? It's going to happen in those debates that we sometimes have, you know, at work in the tea room where you start to talk about things and you just know, oh, I'm going to have to stand up for the gospel here. It's going to happen in those places. It's also going to happen in relationships, whether that's our family, our friends, people that we're meeting at the park or wherever it is. It's going to be in our actions. It's how we choose to live in front of people, the decisions that we make, the choices that we make. It's going to be not just in words, but in actions and in deeds and in just how we live our lives out in front of people. The second thing that I've noticed about this scripture in Isaiah 1 to 4 is that there are certain people that it's talking about. And I believe that to be good news people, we're going to have to start moving towards people, people who are 
poor, broken-hearted, feeling captive, people who feel like prisoners, or maybe are literal prisoners, people who are mourning and grieving, people who are feeling complete despair in their lives. These are the kinds of people that Isaiah is talking about. And if we're going to be good news people, if you're going to be good news people here in Bangor, and I'm going to be a good news person on the North Coast, these are the kind of people I'm going to have to move towards. And that's not always going to be comfortable. That's not always going to be easy. They're not necessarily the kind of people that I would choose to hang out with or choose to move towards. But this is what it's going to require. We have to count the cost of being good news people. It's going to require us to make a movement, to do something, to move towards certain kind of people. And the third thing I notice about what Isaiah is talking about is we're going to have to offer something tangible. Isaiah talks about offering a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We can imagine that crown of beauty. It's something tangible. He talks about oil of joy for mourning. We can imagine a jug full of oil, can't we? We know what oil looks like. We cook with it all the time. He talks about a garment of praise instead of despair. We can very much imagine that's very tangible. That's a, a piece of clothing, a coat, a jacket. And he talks about rebuilding ruins. Again, we can really imagine. We all know what it's like. We might not have built a wall ourselves, but we know what that looks like. We know what bricks look like. We know what building a wall looks like. We are going to have to offer something tangible to people, not nice words, not a there there, not a pat on the back, but we're actually going to have to offer them something tangible that represents and shows the love of God and this good news that we proclaim, that we talk about. So on slide eight, so I think I might have missed one there actually. <laughs> Can you put up the next slide? So sorry, I should have had this one up. Um, no, it's okay. That's okay. So how are we going to be good news people in our place? And as Peter said, Peterson said, living out our faith here and now. And I've had a look at what Bangor Parish are doing, and I want to say a big well done, because you are offering tangible things in your community. I can see that. I can see that you're um, doing things like, uh, especially during COVID, you've got food bank, clothes bank, you were doing deliveries to people during COVID, you were walking the streets, you were identifying homes and families, you were praying for people, then you were um, offering gift boxes, we are with you. What a wonderful message to be given to your community. We are with you. We are with you when your community was in crisis and probably still is. And I want to encourage you to keep going in those tangible ways to keep growing in that ministry to the local people here in your community, to keep helping and to keep finding a way to live out your faith before the people in a way that shows value for lives, dignity for people that need it, and a help up out of poverty, perhaps. But there are some ideas that I wanted to come to you with because I work in policy. I am dealing with issues all of the time. I'm aware of things, and you're going to be aware of them. Goodness, you're going to hear them on the news. You're going to know that they're happening in your local place. But I just wanted to very quickly highlight three. Number one are refugees. And I know that in Bangor you have them actually living in a hotel here. 
Um, and there's this big conversation at the minute about refugees coming from Ukraine. And that's wonderful to see that the people of Northern Ireland want to be a welcome. But actually, we have an awful lot of refugees and asylum seekers already in Northern Ireland. And I don't know that they're really fully settled. I don't know that we really are actually coping very well with them. A lot of them haven't learned the language. A lot of them aren't able to work because the processing of their, their applications is so slow. A lot of their children are still aren't settled in school. What would it look like for us to be good news people to refugees and asylum seekers? Being a friend to them, being someone who will actually draw alongside them and be genuinely interested in their lives, not just offer them a food pack and say, you know, great, you're welcome. What would it look like for us to be good news people? That's a challenge to me. Am I really willing to count the cost for that? The second thing I wanted to highlight was the cost of living crisis. Now, I don't need to tell you about that because that's been on the news. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's feeling the pinch. They really are. It's not just the very poor anymore that can't afford to eat or heat. It's actually the working poor are not able. I saw that David Smith, my colleague, my boss, shared this week um, on Twitter the story about an elderly woman in Belfast who is now going to a shopping centre every day so that she doesn't have to turn on her heat and she can sit in the heat of the shopping centre and just watch people walking by. What a sad story. What would it look like to be good news people there? Churches gathering together, deciding, right, we'll open a Monday, you open a Tuesday, you open a Wednesday. Let's just open up our building. Let's make it a warm place for people to meet. And actually, they could have a wee cup of tea, they could have a wee chat. What sort of environment would that create? What message does that say? Um, you know, there, there are things that we can do to be the answer and the solution to these problems. And another one I wanted to highlight was underachievement in school. So I noticed in my little fact-finding mission about Bangor that um, actually 75% of your population is Protestant. And did you know that there is actually a real problem with Protestant young boys in school and underachievement, academic underachievement, especially in lower income areas? There's a problem there, a real problem. They've identified that. So I would guess that that's happening here in Bangor. I would guess that that's happening right here on your doorstep. And I've heard wonderful churches and Christians who have, um, and Christian organizations who are going in, they're doing um, after schools homework clubs or reading clubs. And I actually myself, when I was just working part-time, I used to go into a school and do maths with some kids that just were underachieving and needed a little bit of help. Um, and I used to think, like, what good am I actually doing here? Yeah, I'm just sitting with them. But you see that one-on-one? just showing, giving them a bit of time, just one-on-one, -on -one, somebody caring about them, you would not believe the results they seen. And that has nothing to do with what I was doing. That was actually just someone, anybody, giving them a little bit of time and a little bit of a hand up. There are things that we can do to be good news people in our place. And I wanted to go on to the next slide because here's the last thing that I want to talk to you about. We're coming into land now. Seek the welfare of the city, or seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. This was Jeremiah talking to Israelites, talking to them about where they were. They're here and now. Where are we at? He was telling them to go out and to uh, build homes and to plant vineyards and to, you know, to be involved in the community, to be part of where they were and what they were doing. If we're going to live as intended, we're going to have to live here and now. What is happening here and now at the moment in Northern Ireland? We're heading into election season. 
you know I have to talk about this because I'm a public policy officer, it's, it's what I do. We're heading into election season, aren't we? And sometimes I think we just get really tired of politics in Northern Ireland. But I am here to challenge you slightly and to say, you know, how can you be a good news person in Bangor? Choose well, choose a good representative, choose somebody who represents good news, who represents good news story for Bangor. They're not gonna be perfect. They're not gonna be perfect. They're not gonna perfectly align with your worldview on everything, but do your best. Get informed about what they do stand for and what they do believe and what are their values and choose the best that you can. Um, and I just wanted to tell you on the next slide you'll see we have actually produced a couple of little things that um, can help you with that and you can pick them up on the way out. One of them is called Connect and this is a really practical little leaflet that will help you to, um, to understand how and why you should engage with your local MLAs, your local representatives. And the other one is a little assembly elections leaflet that's sitting inside that so you'll find that at the front door too. And what we've done with that is we have identified nine areas of interest, things that matter to Christians. There will be more, but we've identified nine. And what we've done is we've um, given a few suggested questions, questions that you could ask your, elected, uh, your representatives, your candidates here in Bangor. You're gonna have more questions, but this would just be a starting point for you to engage and to find out about who they are, what they stand for. They might come to your door, you might want to email them, you might want to pop into their office, but find out and be good news people who are seeking the welfare, welfare of this place where you live. So as we close in the last slide, I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been chosen for this time and place. We have been chosen. We are the ambassadors, like a royal ambassador. I'm sure we all saw Will and Kate heading off around the Caribbean. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go well. As they found out, it's very public. You're on very public show. You're putting yourself out there. But you have been chosen for this time and for this place. And like Queen Esther, who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. If you don't do it, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to be good news people in this place, Bangor? And lastly, in Isaiah 61, back to our Isaiah scripture, it says that we are anointed for this, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us for this. You're not going to do this just in your own strength. You're not going to do it just with your own will and determination. You're going to do it with the spirit of God on you, with you, alongside you. And as we finish up this morning, I want to pray for you about being good news people in this place. So I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I want to pray for the people of Bangor, the followers of Jesus in Bangor, those who love the Lord in Bangor, in this parish and in others. I pray for the Spirit of God to fill them, to come alongside them as they seek to be good news people in Bangor. I pray they would be led by the Spirit in how and where to be good news people in this place. 
I pray that they would have a confidence in the gospel, that it is good news for everyone, that it is powerful for transforming people's lives and families and businesses and schools and workplaces in this community. I pray that you would help them to live out a public theology, live as good news people in Bangor, that they wouldn't be put off by strongly held worldviews that other people hold, but they would be gracious in proclaiming the gospel and the gospel worldview. And I pray that in all of this, many would be saved and called out of darkness into light, and that God would be known and praised in Bangor. I pray it in Jesus' name for this people at this time, here and now. Amen.